Amen. It is great to have everybody with us today as we come to worship and celebrate God's goodness. It's great to be able to celebrate our Best Years Fellowship Day today as well. And looking forward to a great time of uh, not only fellowship, but digging into God's Word. It's a blessing to have Dr. Black with us, who is going to share. He and I were talking earlier, and I was reminding him of the last time he came to speak at a church where I was on staff. It was at a church called StarTex Wesleyan Church. And he was supposed to come on the evening, and I was, the senior pastor was out of town. I had stayed at the senior pastor's house for the afternoon, and I fell asleep. (laughs) And about 20 minutes into the service, someone comes knocking on the door to see where I'm at, because I'm supposed to be officiating the service. So I got lots of rest last night, so we should be good for today. It is great to have you all. We're going to begin with a word of prayer this morning, and then we'll have a time of fellowship. Father, we thank you for the privilege of gathering together. We thank you for each individual who's here, and uh, just the fact that you have a plan for each of us today, Lord. You brought us here for a reason, and I pray that you would use this time to draw us nearer to you. I pray that through our time of worship, that we would sense your presence, and I pray that even through our time of fellowship, that we would have the opportunity to truly experience more intimacy with you. I pray that your blessing would be upon Dr. Black as he comes in a little bit, and I pray that you would just help us to truly be able to respond to your word, and uh, may you have your way in us today. Thank you again for all you've done for us. Help us now to enjoy your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would, take a moment, shake hands with someone you haven't shaken hands with already today. the youngest men in the church singing in the choir. (laughs) Well, what a wonderful place to be anchored this morning, and uh, what a wonderful time to go to the Lord in prayer. This is a very special time. Pastor has asked me to pray for our missions team that will be leaving on Friday, going to Atlanta, is that correct? Flying directly from Atlanta to Haiti, and... uh, We have several needs this morning in addition to the uh, missions team, but what we'd like to do at the start is have all of the mission team come and kneel at the altar, if you would please. Pastor and all those here who are going to Haiti, would you come and kneel beside him? Some are where? Oh, in the second service. Well, (laughs) we've got two. (laughs) Uh, Very, very good. Um, In addition, we have a young man, Josh. The church family is aware by reading our church prayer uh, chain. Uh, Josh is in the Greenville Memorial Hospital. Young man that just started coming to church, and um, he is in dire need of our prayers. Someone or someones who know Josh, would you come and kneel for him this morning? Would you? Anyone that would feel to do that? Thank you, Pat. And then Billy Fay's granddaughter remains seriously 
ill in a hospital in Florida. Uh, her father and mother, district superintendent of one of the Nazarene districts, are having a, quite a time trying to pray for this daughter, and she has been on a ventilator. Um, I know Billy Fay's in the choir, and it would not be easy to come and kneel for her, but would someone kneel on behalf of Trish this morning? Very good. Maybe there are requests by the uplifted hand. Let's see this morning. I'm sure there are many. All right. Uh, and I'm sure there's some requests I may have overlooked. Pastor, if you want to mention any one of them. All right. Let's together unite our faith and pray this morning. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. The heavens declare your glory, and the firmament showeth forth your handiwork. You are the great God that is great and greatly to be praised. And we this morning acknowledge that you are holy, and you're the Almighty One, God, three persons in one. We honor you, we honor the Trinity today. Father, we thank you that even though our needs are many, you are able to meet all of them and you care about the least of them and the greatest of them. And today we want to pray for Josh in the Greenville Hospital that you would re reach down to him this morning and open his spiritual understanding and help him to come to know the Lord as his personal Savior. Thank you for sparing his life and giving him this opportunity to uh, come to know Christ. Thank you for giving Pastor a good relationship with him where he can minister to him. Father, I pray again you'll give his parents unusual strength and grace at this hour. I pray for Newell and Ann Smith, the parents of Trish, Billy Fay's granddaughter, as they stand by her bedside in a hospital in Florida this morning on that ventilator and they're reading scripture to her and talking into her ear and praying into her ear. Lord, you can revive her. You can rebuke the infection. You can bring her out of this and help her to be able to come back to normal and to come to Christ. Lord, I just pray a miracle will take place there today. Father, we know that there are many needs around us this morning, many we have not named. But today we want to especially pray for our missions team as they head out to Haiti. Lord, first of all, we pray for your mercy to be extended to them in travel by car, by air, by water, by land. Lord, I just pray your hand will be upon them. Your angels will have charge over them. I pray also, Lord, that you will give them good health, keep them well. May they be able to enjoy their trip in ministering to those people in Haiti. I pray also, Lord, that you will give good harmony among the team members. May they blend 
May they be patient with each other and may they work together as a team to accomplish what you're calling them to do. Father, I would also pray for good adjustment as they arrive into this culture. Help them to be quick to understand things they need to. I also pray, Lord, that you will give wisdom to the team leaders, leader and those on the field that will be in charge of the team. May they make the decisions that would be the best. And then I pray for God's blessing to be upon their work. Lord, as a church, we lift them up this morning and we believe that you're going to be with them. And Lord, for all that you do, we'll give you praise. We want to thank you for the way you supplied the money for them to go. You supplied it a miraculous way. Bless them, bless their families that will be staying behind. Now, Lord, in the further part of this service, get glory to yourself. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. We wanted to have one or two of our seniors give their testimony and just give this opportunity to let others know that as you walk the journey of life and you have your battles, you have your valleys, you have your mountaintops, but the Lord is with you and he's promised to be with you. We had three people lined up this morning, Reverend W.D. James and his wife Claire and Billy Faye Harvey. Sister James called last night to say that they could not make it. Brother James was in the hospital earlier in the week and uh, he is very weak and it's possible he's maybe had a stroke, we don't know. But his three boys were in this week to be with them and to help them. And I really meant to have prayer for him as we were praying this morning, but you can be praying for the Jameses Billy Fay is coming. I've appreciated knowing Billy Fay and Bob uh, many years, and Willett and I were down in Miami, Florida when Bob was in the hospital having brain surgery. Know what God did there. But uh, Billy Fay has been through a lot of experiences, and God has been faithful to bless her. So would you come, Billy Fay, and share your testimony with this group this morning? God bless you as you share. Well, as you might imagine, this has been a very difficult week for me. I've done a lot of praying and fasting for my only unsaved granddaughter, grandchild. But the Lord promised me when they were all born that he would grant my desire of my heart that all of them would come to know the Lord. And so I'm counting on that, and I know he will. And maybe he has Tricia down for that very purpose, that he can talk to her. Who knows? But she's in his hands. And I've been in his hands. So on a brighter note, I want to tell you how blessed I've been. Only because I serve the Lord. That's the reason. God's word, and I've got some notes because if I started rambling, I might not give Bob a chance to preach. So <laughs> I'll try to hurry through this, Bob. <clears throat> But when you've lived 90 years, had a lot of experiences, and I've built a lot of altars along the way at the victory so that when I come to a crisis, I can go back to those altars and remember what God has done. 
In his word in Psalm 139, he said, you created my inmost being. <clears throat> Excuse me. You knit me, to, knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body all the days of my life. All the days, every day of my life has been written in his book. He has been so faithful to me. That is the theme of my testimony this morning. Not me, but he has been faithful to me. My journey of faith really starts two generations before me. I was blessed to be born into a very Christian home. My mother fell a month before I was born and broke her hip, and she was in a cast from her hip to her ankle when I was born. She almost died. And when I was born, the doctor just laid me aside to save her life, and a nurse rescued me and brought me to birth. <clears throat> After hearing that story through the years, I knew that God has had his hand on me and meant for me to live. My mother was never well after my birth. She soon contracted tuberculosis and died when I was five. I have always felt that she died so I could live, a heavy responsibility. I was then cared for by my dad, and while he worked, my grandparents, who also cared for my cousin Betty. And we had family Bible reading and prayer, morning and evening. We didn't sit around the table, we had to kneel. And we waited, Betty and I waited very impatiently for those long prayers to end. And I confess sometimes I fell asleep. But they were priceless memories to me, and I thank God for them. I still remember some of them, one in particular. My grandfather used to pray that Betty and I, that God would take Betty and I to heaven while we were still young, if he knew that we would grow up to dishonor him and go to hell. Now that made a big impression on me. After that, every time we heard the song, Just As I Am, or Almost Persuaded, we, were, we went to the altar. No preacher ever had to worry about anybody coming to the altar when we were there. When I was 10 years old, my daddy had gotten away from the Lord and married a very ungodly woman. I had to live six months with them and then six months with my grandparents. For a few months, I was put in an orphanage, but the Lord rescued me from there in a miraculous way, which would take a long time to tell about. But it was a miracle. Those were very unhappy and insecure years for me. But he had a plan. My mother had requested that I go, not go to public school, but that I go to Central, as it was called then, now Southern Wesleyan University. I was only 13 years old but my whole life was changed there by loving, praying professors and Christian friends. I thrived through high school and junior college and then on to Marion College. I married a man from the same kind of Christian home that I had. We were blessed with four children and blessed with opportunities to minister in music to a number of wonderful churches through the years. Of course, there were many bumps in the road, and not always easy, but God was faithful all the way. <clears throat> the deepest valley, 
that I ever went through was when our only son, Eddie, was killed suddenly in an automobile accident at the age of 22. I struggled for so long with doubts, grief, and confusion, and depression for some time. But God's grace brought me through it all with his promises. In Isaiah 43, he promises, when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you, and they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Also, assurance came to me from Isaiah 55, where God says, My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than yours. Through it all, I learned to trust in Jesus. I learned to trust his word. God has been always faithful to me. A few months after Eddie died, God did a wonderful thing for us. We were asked to come to Southern West End to work. I felt like I had come home. Working among the students gradually brought about the healing that both of us needed. Our youngest daughter, Martha, had just graduated from high school and was very bitter, angry, and rebellious over her, father's death, her brother's death. And she didn't want to come with us. But since she had no choice, she came. And what a wonderful change those four years at Central made in her life. We really thought we had lost her, but again, God has been faithful. Twelve years ago, the Lord took Bob to heaven. Since then, I have walked this, this journey alone after 59 years with him. It has not been easy to adjust, but I have been supported, comforted, and taught many valuable lessons in faith by the Holy Spirit since then. Jesus has been with me all the way and has supplied my every need. God has been faithful to me. To anyone here today who may be thinking, well, I didn't have that advantage of a Christian home. May I encourage you to be the first generation of your family to start a Christian home? God has promised his blessings on all those who love him and follow his commandments, even to a thousand generations. And to those young people here that are not married, may I urge you to pray a lot, be sure and careful that you marry someone who loves Jesus. You will never be sorry. Now Jesus has promised that he is preparing a place for me and he will come again and take me to be with him. I'm anxious for him to finish that preparation so I can see him face to face. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. God has always been faithful to me. I praise him. Thank you, Raymond, for leading us. This morning we are honored and blessed to have Dr. Bob Black as our speaker. Bob's father, Watson, was a good friend in North Carolina, district superintendent for years. Bob followed in his steps, came to Southern many years ago. Bob, is that 50 or how many? 50th year. 50th year. <laughs> That's wonderful. 
Uh, I came to know him better. I'd known him many years, but as he and I worked together on the campaign for the Nicholson Mitchell Christian Ministry Center, he agreed to be the co-chair. And uh, as we launched that campaign to buy the college church, we used to call it, and make it into the beautiful facility it is today. I was sitting in my office working for SWU. He walked over one day and said, Jim, we got to be serious about this. We ready to begin? I said, sure. He gave me a sizable check, which is, I think, about the first one coming in. And he proved himself all the way through. North Carolina District West, and by the way, pastor, our pastor can slip over to the other service. You can keep preaching. <laughs> Uh, um, but uh, the North Carolina West District has honored him and loved him so much that during that campaign they sent us a check for $50,000 to honor Bob Black and to help build that or renovate that facility. So Bob, you've done a great job at Southern and in our area, served on the general board many years. And you're uh, honored among all of us, and we look forward to your message. And following the trio, we'll hear you speak. I thirsted in the barren land of sin and shame. And nothing satisfying there I found. But to the blessed cross of Christ one day I came, Where springs of living water did abound. Drinking at the springs of living water, Happy now am I, my soul they satisfy. Drinking at the springs of living water, Oh, wonderful and bountiful supply. How sweet the living water from the hills of God. It makes me glad and happy all the way. Now glory, grace, and blessing mark the path I've trod. I'm shouting hallelujah every day. Drinking at the springs of living water. Happy now am I, my soul they satisfy, drinking at the springs of living water, oh wonderful and bountiful supply. Oh sinner, won't you come today to Calvary, a fountain there is flowing deep and wide, the Savior invites you to the water free where thirsting spirits can be satisfied drinking at the springs of living water happy now am I my soul they satisfy drinking at the springs of living water oh wonderful and bountiful supply Drinking at the springs of living water. Happy now in my my soul they satisfy. Drinking at the springs of living water. Oh, wonderful and bountiful supply. 
thank you, gentlemen, for that music. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Harmonicats, for your music as well. <laughs> and wasn't it worth coming to church to hear Billy Fay's testimony? It is a privilege, it's an honor for me to be here. Uh, every time I get to come to Trinity is a blessing, and I thank you for the invitation and a chance to um, say thank you on behalf of Southern Wesleyan University, just on the other side of town, that uh, since 1906 has been building the kingdom of God because of the support and faithfulness of uh, folks I'm looking at and generations before you in church after church after church, but especially in those churches in this area that have been so faithful across the years. Thank you for all that you have done and are doing for your university as we seek to follow the commission that God has placed on us to prepare the next generation of Christians to be the people of God in a world that desperately, desperately needs them. It is a, it's an honor for me to be here on this Best Years Fellowship Sunday. I was asked by my friend Jim Wiggins to speak and then I began to wonder why me on Best Years Fellowship, as young as I am, <laughs> would he ask me to speak? And then I remembered how young I am. Uh, Jim, Jim asked if this was my 50th. It, it is. This, this is the 50th anniversary, but not of my coming to Central, of my graduation from, from Central Wesleyan College in those days. Just last week, I Skyped, which was a new word for me fairly recently, but I Skyped a presentation to a youth group in North Carolina who wanted to hear about Freedom Seal Church, which is now on our campus. And uh, so we had all the machinery set up on both sides so I could see them, they could see me. And the pastor on that end said, now the person you're going to be speaking to is Dr. Bob Black, and he came to Southern Wesleyan University in 1986, a kid on the front row said, and of course, we could hear each other both ways, 1986? How old is this dude? <laughs> so Jim, I get it. I, I, I get the invitation. I understand why. I'll, I'll tell you how old this dude is. Uh, he's he's pre-computers. Even those big ones that used to fill a room, pre-computers, pre-microwave, pre-seat belts, for crying out loud. And when I was growing up, we didn't have a remote control on the TV, but we didn't need it because we only had three channels, right? You remember? But we did have a kitchen full of Tupperware. That's how old I am. I'll put it another way. When I started school, younger than my granddaughter, uh, on... on the third row down here, my youngest granddaughter, uh, who's present. <laughs> uh, when I started school, do you know how many McDonald's there were? One. One. It probably had a sign out there that said, dozens sold, you know. <laughs> but age has its advantage, too. For example, I was raised in the age of sword drills. Anybody remember sword drills in this congregation where we... Uh, 
drew the sword of the Spirit and at a signal turned to a scripture passage to see how quickly and accurately we could find it. And folks, that has been a blessing to me for all the years since. It helped me find today's text. It's in Colossians chapter 4. Listen to these words. St. Paul's words to a, uh, a, a first century congregation that are just as true and just as inspired for a 21st century congregation. Colossians chapter 4, beginning at verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is a rich passage of Scripture. And just in these few short words, Paul tells us to be prayerful, to be watchful, to be thankful, and to be graceful. Because that's what the body of Christ looks like when it's being the body of Christ. But in this passage, I think I see uh, a word for our church today that goes in a direction that may be even more appropriate to a Best Years Fellowship Sunday. In this passage, I see, first of all, Paul reminds us that we've all got a job to do. You hear what he said? Make the most of every opportunity. Well, Paul certainly did. He was writing from jail. You know, sometimes we have a flannel graph view of the scripture and we see Paul and we know him and we could answer a test question about him. And uh, we understand that he was in jail when he wrote four of his epistles. This is one of them. But do we ever really stop to think what it would be like to be jailed for your faith and then to carry on the work of the Lord in your confinement? Paul was in the equivalent of what we would call today a federal prison. And he wrote this letter to Colossian believers to encourage them in their faith. To encourage them to be prayerful and watchful and thankful and graceful. But also to encourage them to make the most of every opportunity. You would almost expect Paul to say, that's what I did when I was free. And Paul's still doing it. Notice he also says, pray for us that God may open a door for our message. In the federal prison, the Roman Empire federal prison, Paul's looking for an open door for his message. If I were in federal prison, I'd pray for an open door. I'm not sure it would be the same open door he's talking about. Paul had an open door like that in Philippi, you remember? God opened his door. What did Paul do? He stayed and led his jailer to Christ. Paul's not asking for an open door of escape. He's asking for an open door of witness where he is in a Roman jail with chains. Paul says in verse 3 
the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. At the end of the chapter, he says, remember my chains. But his spirit is not chained. His soul is not chained, and his witness is not chained. Paul says, pray for an opportunity for me to witness. Everybody has an opportunity. Make the most of it, Paul said, and pray for me that I would make the most of my opportunity as well. This reminds me so much of a story that Joanne Lyon told one time of a conference that she was a part of where a believer from Myanmar, Myanmar when I was in my younger days was called Burma, Myanmar is uh, close to the gospel. And when he asked for a visa to attend a Christian conference, they said, oh, you're a Christian? You can't go to the conference, but you can go to jail. And he was imprisoned for his faith. Six months later, they released him. Not because they'd had a change of heart, but because in the six months that he was in their jail, he led 233 people to Christ. That's the kind of open door Paul's talking about. Pray that the Spirit would open hearts to the gospel. Pray that the Spirit would would open doors for the faith in this godless place that it may become a place where God is recognized and honored and worshipped. Paul had an opportunity. We may not have seen it. Paul saw it. And he was determined to make the most of it. I didn't read the whole chapter. It's the last chapter in Colossians. And Paul, often in the last chapter of his epistles, will bring greetings from other believers. He does in this one. He he says to the Colossian Christians, for example, Mark says hi. Luke says hi. Tychicus says hi. We don't remember him as well, but he was one of the couriers that carried Paul's letters to the churches. Well, each of those men had opportunities too. Mark and Luke had gospels to write. Tychicus had letters to carry. Everybody has a chance to work in the kingdom of God. In fact, everybody has a responsibility to work in the kingdom of God. We've all got a job to do. Everybody I'm looking at right now joins me in that responsibility. We may not think that our job's significant or that we can make a difference, but we can. I had the privilege of pastoring a lady in Richmond, Virginia by the name of Elizabeth Bray. Elizabeth Bray was retired from a long career at Blue Cross Blue Shield. And when she retired, she bought a house. Bought a house on the bus line. And I thought, that's a very wise thing to do because now you can go everywhere you want to go. You can go shopping, you can go visit friends. But that's not the reason she bought the house there. Every morning, she would get up at the same time she used to get up to go to work at Blue Cross. And she would get dressed and she would go out of her house to the bus stop just outside. And she would spend the day visiting shut-ins, hospitals, hospice homes, and representing Jesus Christ because she said, my work isn't done yet. I have more to do. The church I grew up in, in Asheville, 
North Carolina, had a man in it we called Uncle Jimmy. His name was Jim Teague. It was not until later that I found out Jim's story. Back during the Depression, the church had borrowed money to build their new sanctuary, and now money was tight. Times were tough, and it was hard for the church to meet its mortgage payments. Jim Teague went to the bank, mortgaged his own home to help the church stay afloat. And some of his friends in the neighborhood said, Jim, you're crazy. This is the depression. You could lose your home. Jim Teague said, if I don't have a church, I don't need a home. Every one of us has a chance to make a difference. Now, I've never seen Elizabeth Bray or Jim Teague, for that matter, in an encyclopedia of great Christians. They're largely unknown. But that doesn't mean they're unknown in heaven. It doesn't mean that they didn't make a difference. We've all got a job to do. The second thing I see in this passage, as we look further into chapter 4, is that we can't do it alone. I'd like to read one more verse out of Colossians 4. It's verse 17. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you've received in the Lord. Paul had a job to do. Mark and Luke had jobs to do. Archippus had a job to do. Now, the difference is, of course, that we don't know who Archippus is. He's a mystery man to us. We don't know anything about him except his name and the fact that he had a job to do. See to it that you complete the work you've received in the Lord. Now, why do I say that this illustrates the fact that we can't do our work alone? Uh, Simply for this reason. Paul didn't write Archippus a private letter, did he? At least we don't have it in Scripture. Paul wrote the whole Colossian church and said to them, you tell Archippus, make sure you finish the work God gave you to do. What, to, to be a burden and, and uh, uh, to, to hassle him or to shame him into doing what God had called him to do? No, not at all. To encourage him, to support him, to, to link arms with him to do the work that God had called him to do. We don't know what that work is, but now the whole Colossian church is engaged in the work that God gave. Whatever it was, that's what God called Archippus to do and the Colossian church to come around him as he did it. The whole community of faith is involved. You know, we come to Christians, we we come to Christ one by one. But we go to heaven together. Folks, we need each other. We need the body of Christ. We need the blend of the body of Christ. If, if Trinity takes both services, puts it all together for the total community of faith that is Trinity Wesleyan, it spans generations, right? There's a diversity in the body that has different gifts and different callings and responsibilities. And we don't do those individually. We can't do them individually. We need the support of each other. We need the encouragement. And sometimes we need that uh, tough love from each other that says, this is the work that God has given us to do. Southern Wesleyan, every Friday, 
All the students in the division of religion have accountability group meetings where in groups of eight to ten, they gather with a faculty member. They support each other spiritually. We ask some tough questions. How are things going? What are you struggling with? How can we help? Because this really is not a Lone Ranger kind of faith that we're in. There's another reference to my past, by the way. We're not Lone Ranger Christians. We're a body of believers. And the body of believers was there. Senior saints, younger generations need your wisdom. They need the fruit of your experience. They need that guiding voice. Uh, You don't know how much younger people in the congregation look up to you and depend on you for spiritual inspiration. Make the most of every opportunity, but don't try to do it by yourself. We need each other. Third truth I see here is in those words of Paul to Archippus. Make sure you complete the work you received in the Lord. Folks, we need to finish strong. We need to finish well. It's not enough to make a good beginning. It's not enough to say, well, back in the day, we have to be God's people now. And we have to be who he needs us to be and calls us to be in the age in which we live. So that we can say, like Paul did in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I've fought a good fight. I've finished the race. I kept the faith. Jesus did too, didn't he? Remember the great high priestly prayer of Christ from John chapter 17? It begins with Jesus saying to the Father, I have finished the work you gave me to do. And hours later, he said the same thing on the cross, didn't he? It is finished. The best job left incomplete, the best job left unfinished, is a failure. I mentioned that uh, Paul mentions Mark, Luke, and Tychicus, and other believers in his messages to the Colossian Christians. He mentioned somebody else, too. I didn't read this verse. He said, Demas says hello. Do you remember Demas? Maybe not. Because in 2 Timothy 4, after Paul gives his testimony of finishing well, Paul says, Demas has forsaken me. Because he loved this world. Not the world he was made for, but this world. Demas didn't finish. Demas lost his faith. Demas made a wonderful beginning. Paul leaned on him hard. But he wasn't there in the end. It's a warning for us. It's a caution for us not to be among those who make a good beginning, but we don't finish. Fellow Best Years Fellowship folks, we who have walked with Christ for a long time perhaps, we cannot afford to be casual and overconfident about our faith in our closing years. 
because we must be faithful to the end. All of us must be faithful to the end as Christ was and as Paul and so many others were, as examples out of Trinity's past were. People that come to your mind, people that were special in your life who have gone on to be with the Lord, faithful to the end. It's a calling incomplete until he calls us home. So don't give up in discouragement. Make sure you finish. Don't sit down in idleness. Make sure you finish. Don't get distracted by the world like Demas was. Make sure you finish. And make this Christian walk something that makes a difference in the life of somebody else. Serve the Lord through the body of Christ and finish strong. After all, the Lord who called us to this, Paul said, is also the one who, having begun a good work in us, will complete it. The question is, will we? By God's grace, we will. Let's pray together. Lord, words cannot express the depth of our gratitude and our love for who you are and what you have done. Impress on us these words, not just words for a Colossian church of 2,000 years ago, but for Trinity Christians today in 2017 to make sure that we complete the work you've given us to do, to make sure that we don't forget to finish and finish strong. By the grace of the God who called us, we pray. Amen. And these are good words for us to take with us. Uh, all those 55 years old and older stand, would you? <laughs> those are our BYFers in this congregation. Wow, look at that. I'd like the younger people to give us a hand. <laughs> you may be seated. Uh, and we're about ready to dismiss, but I, I'd ask Dr. Ellis, a former missionary, to have a closing prayer. And one thing I forgot, I, I meant to have people gather around Pastor and Hannah as we prayed for them. And so, Pastor, while Dr. Ellis prays, would you step out in the aisle? And Hannah, would you step out? And those who are near, put your hands on them as he has this prayer. Before we pray, though... Dr. Black has kept a promise to me. He and I agreed. When I called him, I said, Bob, please don't speak on Methuselah. <laughs> uh, could we activate this mic? Okay. Let's stand together as we prepare for prayer and Dr. Ellis. Our Father, we thank you that thy servant has been an echo of your word. May it find residence in our hearts. 
Lord, bless us and keep us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace. Amen.